Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was early in the morning. I was getting ready to go to breakfast. I glanced at my phone and I saw a message from a former colleague that began with an epithet and then said, it's Bolton. I'm Mehdi Hassan. Welcome to Deconstructed, a new show from The Intercept. I'm a journalist, author, TV host, and yes, now podcaster too. It's great to be with you all on this show, chewing the political fat, getting past the media spin, deconstructing the headlines and giving a platform to people you really need to hear from and listen to. It's week two. Let's talk John Bolton. Do you remember where you were last week when you heard the news that Donald Trump had decided to appoint a new national security advisor. Right, there's major breaking news that's unfolding right now. President Trump is announcing that General H.R. McMaster will be out and will, is going to be replaced with John Bolton. Let's read this here, Walter. I remember where I was when I heard the dreaded name, those chilling words, John Bolton. I was eating fried chicken with my kids, actually, and my instant response was, we're all dead. In fact, I tweeted that. We're all dead. Now, look, I know, I get it. You hear stuff all the time about how bad the Trump administration is, how bad Donald Trump's decisions and appointments are. In this car crash, this clown car, this shit show of a presidency with scandals every week, every day, every hour, it's hard to keep getting outraged. But you know what? Appointing John Bolton as national security advisor is really, really bad. This is a really big deal. Yes, John Bolton, the man with the white walrus mustache, the super hawk, the super villain who served as Undersecretary of Arms Control and as US Ambassador to the United Nations under George W. Bush, who was one of the key architects of the invasion of Iraq, is now about to start work next month in the White House as National Security Advisor to the President of the United States. National Security Advisor. Who'd have thought that we would miss General Michael Flynn, who held that role for all of 23 days at the start of the Trump administration. Come back, General Flynn, all is forgiven. Because John Bolton is really, really dangerous. This is not a drill, people. This is red alert. This is time to panic. Because look, it's not just the fact that John Bolton's never met a country he didn't want to bomb, invade, and or occupy, or that he wrote a book literally called Surrender is Not an Option. It's not just the fact that he's written op-eds saying he wants to preemptively strike North Korea and Iran, that he wants to militarily topple the governments of both those countries. To provide more pressure. There's a lot we can do and we should do it. Our goal should be regime change in Iran. It's not just the fact that he's given paid speeches for an Iranian terrorist group, the MEK, that until a few years ago was actually banned by the U.S. State Department. Yet Bolton had no problems working with this cult, this terror group, the MEK, if it meant he could get another war and another regime changed. And that's why before 2019, we here will celebrate in Tehran. Thank you very much. 
It's not just the fact that he continues to defend the catastrophic and illegal invasion of Iraq that he did so much to bring about in the first place. First question, whether it was right to overthrow Saddam Hussein, and the answer to that still seems to me unquestionably yes. It's not just the fact that he doesn't recognize the authority of international law at all, or the United Nations. There is no United Nations. Secretariat building in New York has 38 stories. If you lost 10 stories today, it would make a bit of difference. It's not just the fact that he chairs the Gatestone Institute, which puts out ludicrous anti-Muslim conspiracy theories, or that he wrote the foreword to a book by two of America's leading Islamophobes, or that he once made a joke about Barack Obama being a secret Muslim. King Abdullah of Jordan, who is not simply the Muslim king of a Muslim country, uh, unlike our president. <laughs> it's not just all of that which is bad enough. But it's the fact that Bolton is an awful, awful person. He's a douche of a human being. He's a proud, unrepentant bully who seems to enjoy intimidating and threatening people who disagree with him as much as he enjoys tearing up international treaties and starting new wars. Wars, incidentally, that he personally avoids serving in. Bolton lest we forget, is a chicken hawk. Listen to what he wrote in his Yale University 25th reunion book about why he avoided serving in Vietnam. I confess I had no desire to die in a Southeast Asian rice paddy. I considered the war in Vietnam already lost. Did you, John? Did you really? How convenient. So, are we all dead in this new age of chicken hawkery, this new age of John Bolton, who's now the most influential and crazy advisor to the most powerful and ignorant man on earth. On today's show, I'll be asking that question of José Bustani, former director general of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, who Bolton helped oust from his job in the run-up to the Iraq war and allegedly threatened in the most outrageous way. And from Thomas Countryman, a former career U.S. diplomat who also served in the Bolton role of Undersecretary of State for Arms Control, but left the State Department within a week of Donald Trump's inauguration last year. Before I talk to them, though, I do have a question for some on the anti-war far left and for some in the Muslim community who I met in my travels across America in 2016. It's a question that's been bothering me since I heard the Bolton news. The question I have for some on the left and some in the Muslim community is, do you feel at all bad? Do you regret spending so much of 2015 and 2016 saying Hillary Clinton would start more wars, would be more hawkish, would be a bigger warmonger than Donald Trump? The actress, the activist Susan Sarandon summed up this line of thinking in the summer of 2016. You know, I, b I believe in a way she's more dangerous. I mean, she did not learn from Iraq and she is an interventionist and she's done horrible things. Thank you, Susan Sarandon and others for that piece of wisdom. Remember the headline in Maureen Dowd's column in The New York Times in May 2016, Donald the Dove, Hillary the Hawk. An absurd piece at the time, even more absurd now. Look, Hillary Clinton is a hawk. She's always been a hawk and would have been a hawkish president. But there's no comparison between the kind of people Hillary Clinton was planning on appointing to her administration and Donald Trump appointing John Bolton as national security advisor. There is a difference between being hawkish and being unhinged. And it's not as if Donald Trump hid from us during the campaign that he was a fan of John Bolton. Here he is on Meet the Press in 2015. I mean, I like Bolton. I think he's, you know, tough cookie, knows what he's talking about. 
Yeah, sure, Trump also pretended to be a non-interventionist. He claimed to be against intervention, claimed to be against neoconservatism, claimed to be against nation building. But it's not as if he hid from us during the campaign that he was also going to be a raging, angry hawk. I am the most military-based and the most militaristic person on your show. I'm good at war. I've had a lot of wars of my own. I'm really good at war. I love war in a certain way. I would bomb the out of them. I'd blow up every single inch. There would be nothing left. You have to take out their families. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. So a Donald Trump presidency with John Bolton as national security advisor could get us all killed, or at the very minimum, embroil us in two new and very nuclear wars with North Korea and Iran. Think I'm exaggerating? Think I'm overreacting? Well, this week, My guests are two very senior people, one of whom had to deal directly with John Bolton during the Bush years, was threatened by Bolton, and the other who served alongside him in the State Department. First, Jose Bustani, who was Director General of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, before the Iraq War, a veteran Brazilian diplomat who has a story to tell about how far John Bolton's willing to go to get his own way. Jose Bustani, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Uh, You were Director General of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, in March 2002, when John Bolton, then U.S. Undersecretary of State for Arms Control, a member of the Bush administration, came to see you in your office in The Hague. Why? What was he there for? Well, he was there for, after three years of negotiation with the Iraqis and the Libyans, I, I had convinced them... Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi to join in the organization, uh, which meant that inspections should take place 30 days after their acceding to the convention. When I announced this to the Americans and others, the Americans were a little bit upset, and not a little bit, they were really upset because <laughs> I believe by that time they had plans to invade Iraq. Just to be clear for our listeners, you, as head of the OPCW, had been in position, I think, for five years up to that point, from 1997 onwards. Yes. You had overseen the destruction of something like two million chemical weapons and two-thirds of the world's chemical weapon facilities. Yes. And you were now on the verge of persuading Saddam Hussein's Iraq and Colonel Gaddafi's Libya of joining the OPCW. That's a cause for congratulation and celebration, is it not? Absolutely. That's what I thought, because my mandate according to the convention, was to, to, to bring as many countries as possible to the convention. And having Libya and Iraq into the fold would mean an enormous impact on the rest of the Middle East countries. So I thought it was a victory. But then John Bolton, who's this big hawk in the Bush administration, one of the keenest members of the administration who wants to go to war in Iraq, a year before the invasion, March 02, he turns up in your office. And what does he say to you? Well, First, he called me from Washington and said that he was very upset with that decision of mine that was beyond my mandate. And I said, it, it's not beyond my mandate. This is part of my mandate. But then he showed up in The Hague and he came to my office. And he said, Cheney wants you out. You have 24 hours to leave the organization. And if you don't comply with the decision by Washington, we have ways to retaliate against you. Retaliate? What did he mean by that? Did he say? I didn't ask. <laughs> And I said, well, I'm not ready to do that. I have no reason to do that. Secretary of State Colin Powell has written me a letter praising my mandate so far. So I cannot understand why is it that I have to leave the organization. 
And he said, you have to be ready to face the consequences because we know where your kids live. In fact, I had two sons in New York. So hold on. John Bolton, who is a senior U.S. State Department official at that moment, comes to you on behalf of the U.S. government in person and tells you, a leading international official, that if you don't quit your job in 24 hours, there will be consequences. They will retaliate against you and, quote, we know where your kids live. That is a threat, is it not? Absolutely. And that's what happened. And, and I said, OK, don't worry. They are ready to face the consequences. And they were, because I told my kids in New York and my, my daughter in London uh, what was going on. And they said, go, Dad, go ahead, go ahead, don't worry. So given what you went through there and in March 02, forward the clock now, 16 years to March 2018, what was your response when you heard the news that John Bolton is now going to be the national security advisor to the President of the United States? Disarray. <laughs> I, I'm appalled. I'm appalled that Bolton has still will have a say in the present administration. And I think this is terrible. He's a- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Very brutal in the way he, he deals with things. And not only is he brutal, to use your word, and, and not accepting of dialogue, he's actually one of these people who knows how to get things done in an administration where they failed to get things done so far. You have John Bolton. Is actually, he's, he was actually very effective at ripping up treaties. He got his way in terms of invading Iraq. Even with you, a few weeks after that meeting, I believe, you were then removed in a special session of the OPCW against all precedent. And later on, apparently, it was deemed to be illegal. But you were removed from office. Yes. The funny thing is that there was no mechanism to oust a director general. There was a council meeting which took place and I won against the Americans. And they were desperate. And so Bolton and the Americans organized a general conference that's not previewed by the convention. It's not according to the convention. It's an illegal conference, in fact. But John Bolton is a man who doesn't recognize international law. He says it himself. Yes. And the conference took place and I was ousted because my country, unfortunately, at that moment, betrayed me. The Brazilian government. The Brazilian government then didn't want to face the Americans and they agreed with the Americans to oust me. So I lost support from my government and from the rest of Latin America and the rest of Africans and the rest of the developing world. And a year later... 
Iraq is invaded by a coalition led by the United States of America. And we discover, the world discovers what many of us suspected to be the case at the time, that Saddam Hussein had no WMDs, something you and your inspectors could have discovered without war had Bolton let you do your job. Exactly. Listen, as director general of an organization of this kind, you have information from the intelligence of different countries that feeds you as director general. And I knew that Iraq had nothing. But given John Bolton was able to sabotage your work and remove you from office and prevent a peaceful solution to the Iraqi WMD quote-unquote crisis at that time, and that was when he was a junior State Department official. He was Undersecretary of State for Arms Control. Now, as National Security Advisor to the President, the most influential advisor in the White House to the President of the United States, surely he has far more power and opportunity to destroy the Iran nuclear deal and set the world on a path towards a new war with Iran this time. Is that what worries you? It definitely worries me. It does worry me, of course, in that moment. And I think that the Iranian case in particular is a very dangerous one. And I think that the agreement that was reached in terms of Iran is a success story. And if you break this agreement, I believe that you can create a disastrous situation in the Middle East. Uh, Just in case John Bolton is a subscriber to Deconstructed and happens to be listening to this on his way into work, what's your message to him, Jose Bustani, given the lessons of the last 16 years, the lessons of what happened between you two and, of course, the Iraq war that came later? What's your message to him? My message to him would be, let's sit and talk. I still believe in dialogue because I believe that problems of the world have to be discussed by means of dialogue. I myself would be prepared to sit down with him again and discuss the problems if he's prepared to do so. Jose Bustani, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Thank you. Take care. It isn't just foreign officials who have their issues with John Bolton. His former State Department colleagues have lined up over the years to call him a bully, an abuser, an enemy of diplomacy. Thomas Countryman served in the US State Department for 35 years, including in the role of Undersecretary of State for Arms Control, a role previously held by John Bolton himself. Countryman left the Trump administration a week after the inauguration and currently serves as the chair of the Arms Control Association in Washington, D.C. Tom Countryman, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. I remember where I was when I heard the news John Bolton was a new national security advisor. I was eating fried chicken with my kids and I, it ruined the whole meal. I was uh, distraught. What was your instant reaction when you heard the news last week that he had got that top job? I was actually in Seoul, South Korea, and it was early in the morning. I was getting ready to go to breakfast. I glanced at my phone and I saw a message from a former colleague that began with an epithet and then said, it's Bolton. So uh, my instant reaction was that this brings us a step closer to conflict, not only with Iran, but also to North Korea. Why is John Bolton so dangerous in your views? We hear all the time, it's it's now a, a widespread view on left and even parts of the right. In your view as a former State Department official, now uh, chair of the Arms Control Association, what makes Bolton scary? He would be scary enough if the only threat were all the incredibly extreme and provocative things that he says on Fox News, <laughs> which apparently is what got him the job. Yeah, since where the that president is, watches him. Yeah. Well, it's our president's only source of information. So let me just take the area that was my area, 
for about four months, the last four months of the Obama administration, I held the job that Bolton held from 2001 to 2005. I'm Secretary of State for Arms Control International Security. Correct. In the four big challenges on the nuclear side, he failed. First, Iraq. He was together with the vice president and the secretary of defense, the major voice in the State Department arguing that we must go to war with Iraq. Uh, secondly, the case of Iran and nuclear weapons by refusing to engage with Iran except under extreme preconditions. We went from a situation in which Iran in 2003 had a few dozen centrifuges up to the point where it had several thousand. The same applies to North Korea. We had an agreed framework between the US and other parties in Asia since 1994. In 2002, it became clear that North Korea was cheating, was violating the agreement. And rather than engage the North Koreans diplomatically and push them back into compliance, Bolton saw it as an opportunity to tear up an agreement that he never liked. And finally, Russia, he contributed to the decision of President Bush to pull out of the US-Russian ABM treaty. Anti-ballistic missile treaty. Anti-ballistic missile. Because he hates all treaties. He hates all agreements that limit United States sovereignty in any way. He believes other states have an obligation to obey rules. He sees no rules that the United States is obligated to obey in the international sphere. So let's come back to Iran and North Korea in a moment. Those are the two big challenges that the Trump administration faces right now. Just on Bolton the person, you're a 35-year veteran of the State Department yourself. You left office just a week or so after the Trump inauguration. Obviously, your paths crossed with Mr. Bolton over the years. What is it about Bolton as a manager, as a leader of men and women, as a bureaucrat that is so problematic? Well, thankfully, I never reported directly to him. I was never in his chain of command. I think one of my colleagues, uh, Carl Ford, who testified against Bolton's nomination to be UN ambassador in 2005, put it most succinctly that Bolton is a kiss-up, kick-down kind of manager. And that's exactly true. He was abusive to his staff, perhaps not physically, but certainly emotionally. And he... Uh, well, it's good to to work for a guy who's not emotionally abusive towards his staff at all. Uh, that's true. States. But it, well, <laughs> I, I think Bolton's kiss-up style will appeal mm. to this particular But they're president. both kicked down is my point. I'm absolutely. But of even greater concern to me is the fact that the national security advisor's job is to take the best information and the best policy recommendations from across the US government, synthesize it, present it to the president with his own advice. Bolton has proved himself in the run-up to the Iraq war as someone who conceals information from his bosses and does not pass on any views other than his own. So in and given Trump has so few views of his own, especially on foreign policy, that gives him more influence than perhaps other national security advisors in the past. This president only wants to be surrounded by yes men. And in these two individuals, he's got hell yes men. Mm. You are absolutely right, sir. We're going to do so, it your way. How worried are you now about the prospect for actual military action, a conflict with either North Korea or with Iran or with both? And it doesn't have to be a deliberate conflict, does it? These things can happen by accident, simply by ratcheting up the rhetoric. 
I worry about both. First, in the case of North Korea, I think Bolton's approach will be essentially to sabotage the meeting between Kim Jong-un and the president. And then Mr. Bolton will be exactly in the position he was in in 2002, where he can say, we tried diplomacy, it failed. And that brings us a step closer to war. Iran is the other big potential crisis. What do you think John Bolton will do in regard to US policy on Iran and the Iran deal? Well, both Bolton and Pompeo have been as harshly critical of the JCPOA, the Iran deal, as has the president. If the president pulls the U.S. out of the agreement in May, it not only makes it harder for the U.S. to reach an agreement with North Korea or with any other country, but it also could easily provoke Iran to pull out of the deal and resume enrichment. That would be the kind of excuse that a person like Bolton looks for to create a military provocation or a direct attack upon Iran. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the chances increase. And he's, of course, a great believer and proponent of regime change. Is it weird to have a national security advisor in the White House who has taken money from the MEK, the Iranian group that was once on the State Department list of banned terrorist organizations? I think it's beyond weird. Historically speaking, General Michael Flynn, who was National Security Advisor for all of 23, 24 days last year, was considered by many in in your world, in the foreign policy world, of being perhaps the worst National Security Advisor ever appointed. Some now say that title should immediately be transferred to John Bolton. Should we be looking back at General Flynn and saying, come back, General, all is forgiven? Sarah Sanders makes me nostalgic for the veracity of Sean Spicer. (laughs) John Bolton makes me nostalgic for the good judgment of Michael Flynn. And the president makes me nostalgic for the ethical standards of Richard Nixon and Caligula. Tom Countryman, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me on Deconstructed. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept and is distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Zach Young. Lital Mollard is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the show so you can hear it every Friday. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice. And if you're new to podcasts, we've got all the info there. Please do subscribe whether you're on an iPhone or an Android or whatever. That means this podcast will automatically download to your device every time a new episode's available and you wouldn't want to miss a new episode. If you've subscribed already, please do feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. Thanks so much. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.